Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Adam Dorsey, a psychologist in Silicon Valley, and I am the host of Super Psyched, a podcast dedicated to supercharging your life. Each episode contains fun, high-quality interviews with experts looking at psychology from all angles. Super Psyched is your tool to get more of what you want in your life and less of what you don't. If you've ever gone on a long car trip, you may have seen some cool things. But what's it like if you do that trip at three miles an hour by foot? My guest on this episode has actually walked from his home in Northern California all the way to Chicago, a full 2,100 miles. And for the step counters, that's 4.2 million steps. He has also walked from his home to Mexico and several other extreme distances. And no joke, his name is Mr. Walker, or less formally, Mark Walker. In addition to being a very nice man, Mark is a retired executive who worked in high tech in Silicon Valley. After a successful career and seven patents to his name, he got into walking and fell in love with it. In this interview, he will describe some of the moments along the road that include surprises, delights, fears, and beauty, as well as the psychological benefits he has derived from his relationship with this sport that he calls a hobby. Mark is definitely on to something good, and on this episode and the one following it, we'll look at going the distance with physical activity. Studies show that moving our bodies through cardio, being in the sun, and surrounding ourselves with nature, formerly known as biophilia, can reduce anxiety, depression, and increase our well-being on multiple levels. Of course, you don't need to go to the lengths that Mark has, but this story serves as a good reminder that better physical and mental health is just outside our doors. So join Mark and me as we have a fun and informative talk about the benefits of going the distance. Superwalker, Mark Walker, welcome to Super Psyched. Adam, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you. I'm just so fascinated with your hobby, with your passion for long distance walking. And I'm wondering if you're at a cocktail party and someone asks you about your life, how do you describe your relationship with walking long distance? Well, I would probably describe it as a hobby. A lot of times people will ask how I got started, how I got involved, how this became a hobby. And actually, I usually tell the story about when I was uh, working at a startup company, the company got acquired and the founders made millions. I wasn't a founder, (laughs) but the HR lady said, you know, she went to the founders and she said, you know, you really ought to kind of do something to commemorate this for the employees. So they agreed and they gave little iPod nanos, little kind of tchotchkes that they would give out to to customers. And so I got one of these iPod nanos. Oh, thanks. You know, but as it turns out, that iPod nano plays music. And then this version had a little pedometer in it. And so I would go on these walks and listen to music and kind of start tracking my, my walks. And then I got this map, put a map on the wall of the Santa Cruz mountains where we live. And started tracking, you know, the different walks, you know, connected San Francisco down to Monterey and then kind of went east from from the Pacific Ocean, kind of off the map to like the Fremont kind of other side of Silicon Valley. And at that point, I said, you know, I bet I bet I could walk across California. 
you know, I didn't get a million dollars out of the company, but that little iPod was worth more than that probably because it changed my life, right? This, this hobby of long distance walking got me in better shape. I got, um, you know, lost weight. I, physically, I was m much stronger, much healthier. Um, anyway, so as I, I got across the, uh, walked off the east side of that map and I thought, you know, I bet I could make it across California. And so on weekends, kind of talked to my wife and we kind of picked up this hobby of walking on weekends and we made it across California that year. The next year, I, and, and that's from where to where when you say across California, uh, I was from the Pacific Ocean to actually Carson Pass is where we ended up going over. So that's in the Sierras. Ah, so you did it with wise. With wise. Yeah. Got um, it. I was imagining with I started to do it with wise. Yeah. I've since done the length of it, but <laughs> oh that gosh. was a different trip. <laughs> so we did the with wise and remember going across <laughs> partway through. So. My kids were, it turns out my kids had just gone off to graduate school, one at sure. Northwestern and his wife was at Northwestern also. And then the other one at the University of Chicago. So they're both in Chicago and kind of going across California. I thought, you know, and they had just started. So um, they were a couple years away and I thought, I bet I could make it to Chicago if I took this serious. From California? From California. From, from my home? House, actually. From your from house, and house. To their house. That was the idea. Was I would walk from my house <laughs> to their house. Your house? To their house. So, yeah. <laughs> Why not? So anyway, so we did. Um, yeah. The the next year after um, we finished California, I had a very understanding boss, and I was kind of getting ready for retirement anyway. And so I would work every other week. And so one week I would either the company was back in Boston, I would have to fly to Boston, and then I would come home and we'd walk for a week. And then I would stay here in Silicon Valley for a week and then take a week off and walk for a week. So that kind of week on, week off, we made it across Nevada. And um, I remember at the end of uh, at the end of one of the walks, it was like November. It was freezing cold. It was 14 degrees. Mm. It was in, the, in Nevada. There was snow all over the ground. I'm talking to my boss on the phone, on the cell phone. And I realized that I'd kind of lost the path. I mean, I wasn't that far from the highway, so I, I wasn't oh, really no. worried about it. But the path was under the under snow, and I couldn't, you know, couldn't see it. So I'm talking to him, and I, I thought, "Hey, Ed, I think I'm lost." <laughs> He's like, "What? You're out in the middle of nowhere in Nevada?" But anyway, um, later on, I was in that conversation. I kind of told him that I was pretty much done with working, and he he kind of expected it. He knew I was ready for retirement, so the end of next year, uh, or at the end of that year, in fact, um, they were doing layoffs and I got myself on the list and got a package. And so then after that, I was uh, unemployed or retired, however you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started taking it seriously. So then that next summer, we walked, uh, finished Nevada, walked across Utah and Wyoming, Nebraska, into Iowa, about halfway into Iowa. And that was kind of in, in chunks where basically my wife would, would drop me off I would walk for 12 or 15 miles and then she'd come pick me up and then we'd go to a motel. And then the next day she dropped me off where she picked me up the day before. And we just did this leapfrog all the way to Chicago. And so um, anyway, that's how I kind of got involved in that process. We finished that trip um, in 2015. And then since then I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, I'll, uh, 
I remember talking to my sister when I was in the middle of this. Like I said, my health was getting better. And my sister says, well, you know, what are you going to do when you're done walking to Chicago? What are you going to do when you're done? And I kind of thought about it. And I thought, well, who says I have to be done? Mm-hmm. So since that trip, we've been finding other trips. So we walked to Mexico from here. From, from, from the, Bay, from the San Francisco so Bay did, Area. Yeah. So we did California long ways. Mm-hmm. And then um, my wife has always wanted to go to Branson, Missouri. I don't know if you know. Branson, I, I've Missouri. heard of it. Sure. <laughs> It's kind of like, it's like Las Vegas. It's like a G-rated Las Vegas. <laughs> they have a lot of family-friendly shows and stuff. Anyway, it's in the Ozarks. So um, one of my sons got her as a gift, got her this trip to, to um, got her all these shows and the trip to, to Branson. And so I thought, well, let's walk through the Ozarks. So we walked about um, halfway through the Ozarks. Just, you know, same, same technique where we would go. 10 or 15 miles and she would drop me off. We'd keep walking. And so you see different parts of the country this way. And it's, it's just, it's just a fun hobby. It's a fun, interesting um, way to see the country. Like I would never have gone to the Ozarks. We ended up spending uh, kind of a long time in a town called Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Fayetteville is where the university of Arkansas is and also happens to be the uh, headquarters of Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's where the Clintons went to college. And so they have like a, a Bill and Hillary Clinton thing. And so there's just like interesting things that you would see in the country that you wouldn't see, you know, if you just drove through. For sure. So so in fact, I think my my tagline, if you will, is this is just like a road trip, but it's at three miles an hour instead Love of that. six to five miles an hour. So you really get to see things and experience the land much more intimately. I remember John Muir apparently knew more than the scientists of his day just by walking the Valley of Yosemite. And I'm guessing that the intimacy that you had with the land and the nature, the flora, the fauna, uh, really just had a profound imprinting on you, almost the way it might have on John Muir before you. Well, it did. And, and in fact, one of the things I think about is Nevada. Nevada is, it's an amazing place. It's so desolate. There's, there's nothing there, but it's, but it's fantastic in its, in its des- desolation. It's just, you'd come, you'd come around a pass, you'd come through a pass, and you'd see the road go on for 15 miles to another pass. And that would just go on and on and on. And everything is the same color. It's tan. It's got these mountains that are, you know, north to south, that are running north to south. You're walking through them. And it's just, it's like this desolation is, is awesome. Now, contrast that with, you know, you get into other areas, like I think of Logan Canyon in Utah, is beautiful. It's just, it's lush. It's got this huge um, kind of river running through it. And we walked through Logan and then up to, I think it's called Bear Mountain. And it's where my son's wife's family is from. And they would go there and, and they would do their skiing trips. And, and they, you know, she loves the mountain. She, and it's like, I can see why. It's just, it's beautiful. And it's scenery, you know? And so those are contrast, you know, vast differences between those two. But they're both beautiful in their own way. Sure. 
and and I imagine deeply meditative. I'm wondering, you know, given all the miles you've walked, there have been so many internal and external experiences that you've just even noted already. What's it like to walk in silence for several hours? And what thoughts and feelings tend to show up for you as you're walking through these various tapestries? Well, that's an interesting question because <laughs> I, I don't think I had any profound thoughts. You'd think you would, you know, you'd think you'd, you'd I don't know, come to some epiphany about something. Mm-hmm. I never did. I know, I remember times when I would uh, go back to my wife and I'd say, you know, when you're out there, you got a lot of time to think. And then I would go into what I, whatever I was thinking about. But it was never profound. It was like, here's what I'm thinking of doing to the backyard fence or something <laughs> like that. You know, it was, it was not, it's kind of funny. I'm almost sad about that. But, but uh, yeah, it wasn't like there was anything like life changing, but it was kind of the everyday things in life that you would ponder on, right? Sure. You think about. You know, it's interesting. Um, I recently heard about one of the benefits of meditation, and that is that the next second is predictable. And that actually is very good for our psyche and our physiology. And I'm guessing that when you were walking, it was meditative and there was comfort in knowing kind of what was ahead of you, at least within the visible distance. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It, it, it was comforting and you didn't know what was coming next because it was the same thing that you had just been through. Sure. Right? So that next step is the same as the last step. So it's really funny. I mean, one can't help but notice that your last name is Walker and you're a Walker. And I'm wondering what are your, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a recognized bias through which people with the name of Dennis, for example, are more likely to become dentists and people with the same first letter more often than chance marry. And I'm just wondering how this Walker became a Walker and what are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty funny. Um, in fact, I, uh, I guess, I guess I see the irony in it. I, I never felt motivated that, you know, that's why I did it. My brother doesn't do it. My sister doesn't do it. Yep. My parents don't do it. Actually, that's not true. We did, we were in Boy Scouts. My dad was a big Boy Scout guy. And so he liked to do the hikes and stuff. So in the long but, distance, I walks. mean, that that's not unique to, to being a walker. Sure. So. I, I just couldn't help but notice. I was really, I was thrilled by that. It's almost like a Smith becoming a Smith or, exactly. or a Mason exactly. becoming a Mason. Um, and as it happens, we have so many options in as particularly in the United States, so many good options. I remember having uh, dinner with somebody who was new from the Soviet Union and he was just overwhelmed with the options that were, were available, super salad. You know, you want salad, what kind of dressing do you want? And what kind of lettuce do you want? And, uh, you know, what type of dessert do you want with this? And he was just totally blown away. He was saying, you know, in the former Soviet Union, we didn't have choices. It was just, it was all decided for us. And there is almost a tyranny with so many choices. There's a paradox um, uh, of, 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 of options. Too many options can actually almost be flummoxing. And I would think that given how many options there are for you to really drill down and go deep as you did with walking, it meant that there were many things that you didn't get to do. I'm wondering what it was about walking in particular 
that caused you to really double down and say, I'm going to do this for hours and literally thousands of miles? I think it was probably goal setting. I had kind of set this goal um, to walk to Chicago. And having had the goal, it's like, that's what we're going to do. That's just how we're going to spend. I got to do it. I got to do it. Yeah. I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. I think it was just a matter of uh, goal setting and then and then deciding that's where I'm going to prioritize my time. And yet there's something so audacious. I mean, the the audacity to say, I'm going to walk. How many miles is it from your house to Chicago? It's it's about it's about twenty one hundred, two thousand one hundred. 2,100 miles. I mean, to bike that is a big deal. To walk that at three miles an hour, we're talking about 700 hours. Yeah, it's a long time, for sure. It's a long time. For sure. You know, the, the pioneers did it, right? And they did it in one year. I did it over a couple of years. Got it. And, and just so for the listener to understand, it sounds like you literally did it in chunks and you would fly home and then you'd start back at the same spot. How did you meticulously, you just kept a record of where you oh, le- yeah. less stepped? Yeah, I absolutely kept a, we kept a little log book of, you know, this is where I got picked up. And it's, and it's, it's funny how usually I didn't even need the log book, right? We would just drive up to, yep, that's where you picked me up because you're, you're there. You're, you're in the moment, right? I remember that rock, you know, <laughs> I remember that tree right there. That's where you picked me up. And and I would remember it better than my wife. She was driving, but I was out there in the, I was going to say in the elements, not that the elements were necessarily bad, but there were times when it was awful hot and times when it was awful cold and rainy, but, but you're in the elements. And so, so you remember, you remember where these things are, but we would, we would leave them. Sure. You know, you mentioned losing track of the path, which sounds terrifying when you were talking to your boss on the cell phone. And I'm wondering, have there been other frightening experiences along the thousands of miles you've walked? Uh, there's, there was actually a couple frightening experiences. Um, so, so here's the one that was probably the, the scariest was uh, I was in the middle of nowhere on a lonely highway. Nobody's out there. Uh, and I don't remember the state. It might have been Wyoming or it might have been uh, Utah. Or, or even Nevada, but anyway, there was nobody out there. It was completely desolate. And I'm and I, you walk facing traffic so that you can see traffic coming to you. And as I'm walking, this semi truck, eighteen wheeler, comes up, and he's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, and he stops. And I kind of wave to him because pe- people are generally pretty nice. A lot of times, people would ask if I needed a ride, if I was lost or something. He stopped and I waved and I said, I'm fine. Gave him the thumbs up and, you know, keep moving. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for stopping. And uh, he backed his, his semi, this 18 wheeler, he backed it up on the, on the highway and he rolled his window down. And he says, hop in. And I thought, I'm not getting in cars. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, he was, he was kind of pushy about it. He was younger than me. He was a young man. Clearly, probably stronger than me. You know, if he had a weapon, that was nothing I could have done. But he was pretty, pretty forceful about, you know, get in the car. And I just said no. And I turned around and I just kept walking. And I didn't have a weapon with me. I didn't have anything to protect myself. 
So anyway, he respected it and he kept, he drove on and then, and then he only drove on about a half a mile and then he backed up, turned around this oh my gosh. thing and then drove by me and he drove by really slow and he waved and I waved and he went on. And I thought that was creepy. Yeah. That was really creepy. And I thought, you know, who, who knows? Maybe he was just being a good Samaritan, but it was creepy. And for the first time, it occurred to me that maybe this is how like single women feel when they're in a vulnerable position, mm. right? Like late at night in a parking lot or something. I can't believe you. Your intentions might be great, but okay. So then, so then here's the, the lesson in that story. Fast forward a year later, and, and I'm in Iowa, almost at the, at the Illinois border. And my, one of my sons, who was in Chicago, had flown down, or I, anyway, he came down and he was going to walk with me over the weekend into Illinois just to kind of support me and stuff, be my, be my friend. So we're walking in Dubuque, Iowa, and we're walking by this um, apartment complex. And there's these two young women wrestling with this couch. They're clearly moving into their apartment. And they're, you know, they've got a nine foot couch and a seven foot doorway they're trying to get through. And, you know, we're walking and, and my son thinks, okay, he's going to go open the door to be polite to him. Sure. Because they're struggling. And I thought, no, I'm just going to take over. Right? Chivalry's not dead. I'll go. I'll go. Come on, Ben. Let's move the couch in. So we do. We kind of take over. I kind of take over. We wrestle with this couch. It's awkward. It's, but we get it in. And then the, the, the elevator's problematic. And it's also a seven foot elevator, a nine foot couch, and it doesn't fit. And we wrestle with it. We get it in there and we get it up to their, to their fourth floor and we bring it into their house, drop it off. And, you know, they thank us. The women were very polite, very kind, thank us. And we move on. And then I'm talking later with Ben about it. And I said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have just stepped in and done that. And he said, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't. You know, you probably he said, most people want to be self-sufficient, regardless of gender. So anyway, at the end of it all, we kind of talked through it. And at the end of all, he gave me some great advice. He said, you know, probably what you should have done is ask them if they wanted your help. Mm-hmm. It's like, duh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so anyway, so here I thought I learned this lesson from the truck driver. And I didn't, right? And, and, but I did learn it from my son, I think. I think next time I see something like that, I won't assume that, you know, the chivalrous thing to do is to jump in and help. I'll assume mm-hmm. that I should ask if they want help or not. Gain consent. Well, it's really interesting that you brought up the truck driver and the lesson you took away from it. Because in 1993, and you cannot make this up, I was in Nepal with a good friend of mine. And we were trekking some mountains and we were on a particular range where there were a lot of water buffalo and the water buffalo are known to charge at men, not at women, but they charge at men. And that's not a good thing when you're on a very sharp mountain range. And I remember just, you know, just white knuckling it all the way down the mountain. And when I got to the bottom, you know, after breathing a sigh of relief, my first thought was, and this is what it feels like to be a woman walking into a parking lot at night. Interesting. Or any of the other things that men take for granted. So I really resonate with that experience. I've never heard anybody articulate uh, my own experience from 27 years ago so precisely, but that's exactly yeah. what 
occurred to me. So I'm feeling a real a connection with you around that around that conclusion. Any other moments of of, of fear along the way? Uh, yeah, there were some there were some interesting moments. Um, there was some there was some sort of uh, well. So, when I first started this, I, I looked up Google Maps. I used Google Maps. I said, okay, I'm going to walk from my house to San Francisco, to Chicago. And it was 56 pages of instructions. Oh, my goodness. And so for fun, I printed it out, and then I would cross it up, right, as we go. Well, we got to Nevada, and the walking trail went through um, this little town called Stillwater, which was really a um, a mosquito-infested swamp, basically. And, you know, that, the road would go down to a little uh, kind of gravel road and then a dirt road. And then you'd look up in the distance and it's, it's a, it would go up a trail over a mile because that was the walking path. I'm thinking, what am I thinking? I, I can't do that because my wife is in the car and she's got to pick me up 15 miles from now, right? And that path, she can't drive that that way sure so rather than rather than turning around and going back i didn't want to waste a couple days right so i right. there's a another path through the mountains kind of off to the right it's a dirt road and and so the dirt road but it's completely desolate there is nobody out there and so the next day we decided that's the path we'll go and my wife will kind of come with me and she'll you know park three miles up and she'll wait for me to get there and then park three miles up. So as I'm walking on this road, I find these uh, tan buildings with barbed wire. Remember, there's nothing out there. It's completely desolate. So these tan buildings with barbed wire uh, fences around them. So they clearly don't want somebody breaking in, but who, who in the heck is going to break in out there? Right? Sure. So as we, and, as we and for what, walking, and for what purpose? Exactly. So as we keep walking, uh, and by now, I think Lynn is parked way off somewhere else. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden, this F-18, I, you don't hear him coming. Oh, my God. Coming from behind me. And he's at 500 feet. Oh. Above, right? And he just flies over, and it's like this explosion hits. Because you don't hear him until he's right there. Sonic and boom. There's this explosion, and I look up, and it's like you're looking at the bottom of this war machine like you would see in Star Wars kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's just, it's this, it's this jet that's flying 500 feet above you. And I remember thinking at the time, I don't know why you process this, but I thought there's no way America could ever lose a war. <laughs> you got things like that. But anyway, I don't know why I thought that. But anyways, so it flies over and I keep walking. And pretty soon I see these bombs exploding across the highway, maybe about on the other side of the highway, granted. But it was maybe five miles away, and these bombs are exploding. Well, it turns out where I was walking was through Fallon, Nevada. And Fallon, Nevada is has got Top Gun training. No way. These from the naval oh naval air base Fallon, and I'm walking. Now, granted, it was the other side of the highway, but this is where their gunnery range is, right? This is where they're dropping practice bombs. <laughs> so that's when they had barbed wire. So I'm thinking that these these. These uh, buildings I saw must have been government observation posts or something. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. But there's something government that would have to do with these bombs going off across the highway from me. So that was pretty weird. That was pretty scary. Oh, that's entirely nuts. It's, it, it was. And the scary part, of course, was 
the, this F-18 just flying over your head. It's just, it's just this awesome power of this machine that's going. And then the bombs were kind of like spooky, not so much scary, because they wouldn't be bombing, I don't think, on my side of the highway. Right. Or if they right. did, they wouldn't have let me in. <laughs> and I don't even know how fast an F-18 can go, but I'm guessing it's probably like 1,000 miles an hour or something crazy oh, like that. I have no idea. I'm yeah, sure have to look fast. that up. But um, yeah. so, you know, we're talking about uh, all the things that one could encounter in a, on a 2100 mile journey or beyond because you've walked so many others. Um, what have been some of the greatest delights, perhaps surprises that you've encountered along the way? Um, one of them was this little town called Lander. Lander, Wyoming. Yeah. Who's ever heard of Lander, Wyoming? Sure. It's kind of right in the center of Wyoming. And you would think, or I'd, well, we saw some pretty, pretty uh, raunchy places in, raunchy is the wrong word, but pretty run down places in Wyoming, particularly a town called Farson, Wyoming. And the motels that we had stayed in were pretty bad, pretty run down, because uh-huh. it was the only thing available. Um, Anyway, so so there was there they had their bad, but then this little town, I think population was maybe five thousand, and it was a little bit touristy, but it was kind of you know it wasn't like in you know it wasn't like Yosemite or Yellowstone or you know one of the big tourist traps. It was just this little town in the center of of uh, Nevada, and it was cool. It was just there was this um, river that ran through it called the I think it's. Pogo Aji or something like that. And, and it, it has a sink and a rise. So the, the river goes down into the ground. And then two hours later, it comes up a quarter mile down the thing and, and it kind of bubbles up, right? So it sinks and then there's a rise. And, but it's not just where it goes underground. It goes underground for like, they put dye in to test, how, you know, test where it goes and how long it takes. It takes two hours to go that quarter of a mile. So, and it's a rushing river. So it's going somewhere and nobody knows where, right? Oh, that's it's so mysterious. Pardon me? That's so mysterious. It's very mysterious. It's very mysterious. And they've tried to, anyway, that's just one thing, right? And in this rise, they've got all these trout that come up and you can, you can stand up on this observation deck and feed them. And these things are huge. These things are, you know, I don't know, two and a half feet long and Whoa. big and fat. And they're, you know, and they're just all living down there. You can't fish down there, but. You know, you, anyway, just these really interesting things. They have music festivals and they have kind of outdoorsy things. So we like that town so much that last year we had a family reunion. Our kids came and our kids' in-laws came and we just, we had a great time. And brothers and sisters came and um, my wife's, uh, I think, brother. Anyway, so we had some family that came and it was just, it was just a, a a really fun experience. You know, you kind of stumble onto this jewel. Who'd have thought? Lander, Wyoming. But it's a great little spot. I'm sold. I can't wait to check it out. I know. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. And so, then, and then yeah. you know, other places. Iowa is, is beautiful. Iowa is a neat place. I would steer clear of Nebraska. But other than that. <laughs> oh, yeah? Why steer clear of Nebraska? Uh, there's not a whole lot of Nebraska. It's kind of interesting that. Um, a lot of these big agricultural um, areas, so this is my opinion. I don't know if it's true or not. I think it's probably true. But between the GMO um, 
crops where you can get kind of three times the yield for the genetically modified uh, crops. And then, you know, with the big combines, you get kind of three times the productivity. So you don't need, so you got like, you know, one-tenth as many, you need one-tenth as many people to support the, the industry that was there that these towns were built around. So these towns are all ghost towns. You know, they, they basically, they have saloons and they have hair salons. And that's all that's in these towns. And all the storefronts are closed and they're just, they're like ghost towns because you don't have the infrastructure that you needed, you used to need. So that's kind of what my impression of, of Nebraska was. Sure. A lot of these kind of ghost towns with nothing going on. I love that. So saloons and salons. That's um, what they got. Saloons and salons. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, uh, since this is a psychology podcast, how has your psychological well-being benefited as a result of having this love affair with long distance walking? I definitely think I'm more uh, mellow. If that's yeah, a that works. Term. <laughs> sure, why not? Works for me. Um, yeah, I definitely don't have. Uh, so working in high tech can be kind of an anxiety uh, inducing uh, environment. Sure. You know, there's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And when you get out on your own and you're walking and there's really no um, no deadlines, no. Uh, uh, you know, report that has to be written. It's, it's, it's nice. It kind of slows you down. Maybe that's it. You just kind of slow down and you don't have the anxiety that you do when you're working every day, at least in high tech. That makes so much sense. Yeah. It mellows you out. And that's, uh, that sounds like a wonderful thing, especially as a way to decompress from all the cumulative years of being in big demanding companies, small companies that are also demanding because they're startups you mentioned. My last question is this, if someone said they wanted to get into long distance walking, how would you advise them? Uh, one step at a time, <laughs> just go get started. No, I think, well, yeah. So get good shoes. You know, get out and, and do it. I mean, I didn't I didn't start walking to Chicago. I started walking in the Santa Cruz Mountains, right? I started walking shorter trips and building up to longer trips. And I remember um, once when I was at the beginning of this, long before we started the trip to Chicago, I had a big day plan where I was going to try to walk. I think it was uh, an eight mile walk uh, towards Big Basin. And I packed the lunch and I got all ready and, and it was going to be a big deal, I thought. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't. But it wasn't that hard because they'd been building up to it. right? Mm -hmm. And so my recommendation would be, you know, build up to it. Um, and then in my case, I really needed a supporting wife or a supporting person to be there. So Lynn was very uh, uh, instrumental and very accommodating. She loves to read. She reads insatiably. So she, to her, this was kind of like, you know, a vacation also, because she got to go stay in these motels and, and read a lot. Uh, she got get to go to these different um, museums, you know, different towns and see the town and stuff. And so she definitely got, uh, she enjoyed the trips also. But if she hadn't been there as the side wagon, right, to pick me up and, and take me to the camping grounds or the motels this never would have happened 
Now, people can do wilderness um, hiking. And when I was in college, I did do a trip from uh, across Oregon, from California to Washington, with a couple of buddies. And that was wilderness. And that was where, you know, you packed everything, you had food drops mailed to you. I was 20 years old, so so you could sleep on the ground then. <laughs> right. <laughs> bad but you know i mean at my age i definitely would not want to do that some people do some people are fine doing that but i i wouldn't want to so anyway just start by you know kind of one step at a time start mm -hmm. slow build up and then it'd be it's great to have a supporting uh member there supporting cast helping you out that, can, that also enjoys the the process well mark it's been so much fun getting to talk with you about this uh, and I just had a vicarious thrill of imagining walking through various landscapes, towns, <laughs> of course, F-16s, was it F-18s flying above you um, and just everything you discovered along the way. Thanks so much for sharing your love affair with long distance walking with my listeners. You're welcome. And thanks for uh, taking the time to listen. This is Dr. Adam Dorsey thanking you for listening to Super Psyched. If you know anyone who might like it or who might benefit from listening, share it. And if you like the episode, please hit subscribe 